0: Um, Today's scripture is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hello, church. Good morning. My name is Tyler, I'm one of the pastors here. It is good. Uh, to see you here today. I hope this week was a good one for you. It was for me, uh, by and large. We had a lot going on here at the campus. We're moving forward in some projects that we've had going on for a while. Uh, I heard great reports from yesterday's Summer Serve Day. So thank you to all of those who are there. And uh, I also, yeah, got to spend Friday evening with some dear friends. So all in all, not a bad week. The one problem was, though, I got knocked out by allergies This week, anyone else allergic to everything at all? I mean, I'm telling you, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, I could barely talk. I know some of you I met with on Tuesday and it was just a little croak uh, that eked its way out. So I really am sincere when I say it is good to be back uh, here with you today and to have my voice back. And then I brought um, some tea with me as well. So I'm fully medicated, ready to go uh, this morning. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we've been engaged in a new sermon series titled Vices and Virtues. Uh, vices and virtues we've been looking at those habits of the heart that over time harm us and cause us to become less like Jesus those are the the vices and then also looking at those habits of the heart that over time bring flourishing and wellness that make us more like our Lord those would be the virtues and so we launched our series with an exploration of envy Do you remember envy it was seeing what can happen when we allow ourselves to get bitter when others have it better So there was envy as a starting point. And then last week, we took a closer look at vainglory, that kind of desperate desire for the applause of others. And this week, we're arriving at a vice that at first glance feels maybe a little less toxic, uh, a little less dangerous, a little less deadly, right, of one of the seven deadly sins than the others. This morning, we're discussing sloth. And if you're anything like me sloth might seem like one of those vices that yeah you know it's good to avoid sloth but come on is it really that bad i mean it's hardly a deadly sin is it because who hasn't spent an entire saturday wrapped up in a blanket on the couch watching tv eating only cereal for every meal right i mean what's so wrong with a netflix binge isn't it good to rest from time to time and hey i agree sloth seems like one of those things that's not quite admirable but it's not quite detestable either. It's not the not the worst thing, is it? You know, this week as I was thinking about sloth, I couldn't help but recall a really great depiction of sloth that uh, appeared in a recent children's blockbuster, Zootopia. And sloth is personified so well that I had to share it. Here's this clip. Let's watch. What? I'm saying it because he's a sloth. He can't be fast. Flash, flash, hundred-yard dash, buddy. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you Hmm. too. Hmm. Officer Judy Howe, C.P.D. How are you? I am doing fine. Well, what can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a. For you. Well, I was hoping you could. Today. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. Mm -hmm. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. Pregnant. Priscilla. Oh no! Yes. Flash. What? Do. No. You call. A three-humped camel. Uh, Pregnant. Okay, great. You got it. Please Bumped. jump. You really should watch the whole movie, but that's what comes to mind when you think of sloth, isn't it? And maybe it's not Zootopia, but it's surely the kinds of behaviors that are depicted. That kind of slowness, that laziness, that inability to hurry up and get things done already, that's sloth, right? As we commonly define it, sloth, it's kind of, it's laying around, it's taking an extra nap, it's hitting the snooze button. It's not really that bad. And geez, when it's animated by Disney, it almost seems cute, doesn't it? But the problem is that sloth, rightly defined, it's it's not quite the same thing as slowness, I don't think it should merely be defined as lack of productivity at work or kind of an absence of hard work. Sloth, I think, is its, in its proper context, it's understood from Scripture. It isn't just laziness. It's actually it's something deeper. Sloth properly understood is, is laziness with what matters most not just mere laziness it's laziness with what matters most it's not just activity it's not just the same thing as pressing snooze on a Saturday morning rather it's it's kind of a reorientation of our energy and our attentions and our love it's not it's not pressing that snooze button on Saturday it's pressing the snooze button on those disciplines we know we should engage pressing the snooze button on those relationships we know we need to repair. It's, it's waiting until tomorrow to get thoughtful about incorporating service or incorporating community engagement in our calendars. It's trusting that someone else at work is going to take care of that problem, that unethical thing that's been kind of simmering under the surface that everyone knows about. Sloth is not just, not just laziness, it's laziness and what matters most. In fact, sloth comes from this old Greek word called acedia uh, and has its kind of roots there. And the word literally means a lack of care or a lack of love. So that's why we could say that sloth ultimately, it's it's a a lack of care or a lack of love for what matters most. It's its inner resistance to what ultimately counts. And that, dear friends, is what makes sloth so devastating. The fact that it could care less about what matters most, about healthy relationships and personal integrity and communion with God. The fact that sloth says that, I'm just not interested in that. I've got other stuff going on. That's why sloth is actually a deadly vice. And so this morning, we're going to take time together to engage the heart of slothfulness. And as we study God's word, I think we're going to see that sloth actually hides best in busyness, that sloth operates by avoiding what's best and ultimately forms us into people that are too lazy to love. So that's our, our roadmap for this morning, and I'm ready to get started. So if you have a Bible with you, would you join me now in Luke chapter 10? It's on page 869 of our community Bibles, Luke 10. And you've heard it read once this morning already, but for those of you that are grown up in the church, or maybe you've been around church for a while, you might be thinking already, this is a story I know. Right? This is a kind of a tried and true, a classic church text, and you would be right. This is a, is a common portion of scripture, but could I ask you this morning to hear it again with fresh ears, or maybe more specifically, could I ask you again to look on it with fresh eyes, eyes on what's happening in this text, yes, but also eyes attuned to your own calendar and your own rhythms in life to see if maybe, just maybe, sloth might be part of the rhythms and the patterns and the way you lead your life on a day-to-day basis, So again, Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. That's where we're starting. And the text says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now let's pause there. First, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. He, he rebukes her. He says something's wrong with what you're, what you're doing. But let's, let's be clear. Martha seems anything but lazy here, doesn't she? I mean, she's busy. She's busy cooking, busy dusting, busy arranging all the knickknacks and lighting the candles and keeping the water glasses full. I mean, Luke said she's distracted with much serving. She's anxious and truffled by many things. She's, she's got a lot going on. This doesn't seem to be a problem to anyone else in the text. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem to be that there's a problem with the fact that Martha is so busy. It doesn't seem to be a problem to her. It doesn't seem to be a problem to mary it's not jesus's disciples who notice things are going awry that are there with him the only person who senses there's a problem is jesus when he speaks up and says martha martha something's not right your priorities are out of order you're certainly you're not lazy you've got a lot going on you're not slow but but you're living with sloth you have a sloth problem And i think the reason that no one else but jesus was aware that something improper was occurring at the dinner is because sloth hides best in busyness it hides best in busyness see i don't think that sloth hides best in the bed or on the couch or on the back patio or in front of the tv i think sloth hides best in a full calendar between meetings on the car in the way to the next appointment while you're kind of voice texting to reschedule monday's afternoon meeting right sloth hides best and busyness. The philosopher Rebecca DeYoung puts it this way. She says that busyness and workaholism, they're not virtuous, but rather sloth's classic symptoms. In fact, sloth cannot be defined as laziness, since slothful people often pour great physical effort and emotional energy into the difficult task of distracting themselves from the unhappiness of their real condition. Slothful people, she says, can be very busy. I mean, that stings a bit, doesn't it? Because here's what I know about this campus. Many of us are very, very, very busy. We're engaged in what's happening in our communities. We're engaged in what's happening in our neighborhoods and in our city. We're invested in the lives of our friends and in our community groups And, and friends. It's not bad to have a lot of stuff going on. It's not wrong to be engaged, but sloth does hide best in busyness. And so this morning, because I love you, I've got to ask this. Are you busy because you've made commitments to diligently serve God and others with all that you're doing in every sphere of life? Or are you busy because it's just the thing to do? Because everyone's busy, because it's 2017 and everyone, this is just how, this is how life works. Are you busy with all the various activities and responsibilities and things that you have going on? Are you busy with those because they help you connect with God and serve others? Or do your many activities actually distract you from the neglected state of your spiritual and relational life? I think you owe it to yourself to think about those questions deeply, because let's face it, church relationships, good relationships anyway, they they take a lot of time and effort. There are no shortcuts, no quick fixes, no simple tricks to kind of speed things up or make things deeper, intimate quickly. That's true in our families. It's true in our friends. It's true with our church, and it's true with God. And so sloth, this thing that makes us kind of minimize what's most important, that causes us to be lazy in what matters most, sloth actually, it hides best in busyness. I mean, notice again what's happening in this text. Jesus himself, God made flesh, he's present with Mary and Martha in their home, but even then Martha distracts herself with activity. Yes, she engages work, good work even, the work of cleaning and cooking and arranging and maintaining, but in so doing, she avoids the relational work of connecting with Jesus while he's there in her house. She's distracted by busyness. She's missing out on what matters most. I mean, we see it so clearly in Luke 10:40. Jesus says Martha, or Luke describes Martha as being distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Luke names distraction is a key element in Martha's sloth problem. She's allowed herself to be wrapped up in all the little things that she's missing out on the main thing in church. In this respect, I can tell you, we're not that different from Martha. We live in a time and in a place and in a culture that loves to be distracted. We are addicted, you might say, to distractions. We love being busy with little things that capture our attention, even if only for a few seconds at a time. Many of us right, have phones that are filled with games and apps and all sorts of ways that not a minute has to pass by where we're bored or thinking or reflecting on ourselves. We can instead stare at a little screen and click like or play Candy Crush instead of staring into our own hearts and thinking about what's going on inside. Tony Reinke in his book called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, he speaks about our distraction-heavy culture, and he says this. He says, perhaps most subtly, we find it easy to fall into the trap of digital distractions because in the most alluring new apps, we find welcome escape from our truest, rawest, and most honest self-perception. Reinke says, we stare into the little screens, at least in part, because they keep us from looking in the mirror. To keep us from seeing the real state of our own hearts. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that all distractions are bad. I'm not even saying our goal is to lead a distraction-free life. I love playing funny YouTube videos in the middle of the day. Uh, I play Candy Crush as well. I think I'm like level 300-something, so get on my level. But I do believe that in our fight against sloth, we need to become better at what Tony Reinke calls distraction management. We need to be better at unplugging from the noise from time to time and ceasing from hurry and quieting our hearts so that we can actually focus on what really matters. And so this morning, I'd like to suggest that the first step in the fight against sloth is actually learning how to be more diligent in our rest. We need to learn how to be more diligent in our rest. We need to learn how to actually stop and to be still, and to breathe, and listen, and look to, yes, what's going on in our own hearts, and then to listen as well to the Lord. And I know this seems counterintuitive. Some of you might be thinking, Tyler, the way to fight laziness is to rest, right? It doesn't quite seem right, but this morning's texts make it clear. If you're anything like Martha, and if I'm anything like Martha, the call of our Savior first and foremost is to stop, to rest. Martha, Martha, you're you're busy with many things, to cease from all the activity and focus instead on what's most important. This morning, I think Jesus is saying to all of us, let everything else stop for a minute and connect with me. I mean, friends, do you want to be close to God? Do you want a vibrant spiritual life and relational life? Do you want your faith in God's power and in God's wisdom and God's love to increase? Do you want to become a virtuous person? answer yes to any of those questions if that's what your heart desires it will only come when we say no to sloth when we say no to that part within us that would rather be distracted by all the little things in the world instead of doing the hard work of focusing on the main things those that kind of life only comes when we say no to sloth and say yes instead to being diligent in rest and it starts when we engage that kind of rest that allows us to gain a real assessment of the condition of our soul it's rest that has a speaking with god and sitting in peace and soaking in his own word and that kind of rest it doesn't happen when netflix is playing in the background or it doesn't happen without planning it takes conscious effort to let the distraction cease and to focus on what matters most but that is what your soul deeply needs it needs it desperately will you be diligent in pursuing that kind of rest i mean i know that i need that it's so important i need to rest well so that sloth loses its grip on my heart and i need it to lose its grip on my heart because sloth has a very real cost sloth costs us something it's not just that we get distracted there's something we miss out on when we allow sloth to take root it has a cost and sloth it causes us to miss what's best this is what we see again so clearly in luke 10 beginning in verse 41 where jesus says martha martha You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We notice what Jesus is doing here. He's drawing a comparison between the activities of Martha and the activities of Mary. He's, He's setting them side by side, and he's saying, Martha, you've got a lot going on, yes, but Mary has chosen a task that's more significant. And in the long run the benefit that she gets it's not going to be taken away from her these little tasks that you're engaged in they come and they go they don't ultimately matter but mary has chosen a task that's more significant she's doing the better thing again notice the language jesus says that mary has chosen the good portion she selected the better option when she chose as it says in verse 39 to sit at the lord's feet and listen to his teaching mary chose to be still and to listen to jesus she chose to say no to everything else and to pursue what's best and jesus commends her for that decision a preacher i admire a whole lot tells the story of visiting the beach with his kids i also love the beach and so they're there at the beach and uh his son starts seeing all these little like shell shrapnel pieces on the beach have you seen those right they get washed around like the size of a fingernail but these little shell pieces they're dotting the shore and so his son starts to collect all these small bits of shell in his hands right and they're going down the beach and his hands are filling up and he's getting all this, these shells and then what would happen but they come across a starfish. I'm not talking like a starfish in SeaWorld that's like got PTSD from all the little kids. This is a fresh starfish, a beautiful, pristine starfish in nature. They find it there on the beach. And so this preacher, he tells his kid, he's like, hey, look, buddy, there's your starfish. You know, go ahead, pick it up. He's right there. Oh, my gosh, look, it's a starfish. And his kid kind of looks at his dad and looks at the starfish. And he's like, come on, buddy, pick it up. He's right there. What a cool opportunity. There's a starfish right there. And the kid, again, he sort of looks at the starfish looks at dad, and dad's saying, come on, man, he's right here, he's going to swim away, he's going to swim away, this is your chance. And the kid says, dad, 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 I can't pick up the starfish, my hands are full of shells. And I think that's the way a lot of us lead our lives. We miss out on what matters most, on the unique opportunity, because our hands are so full with so many other things. I mean, sloth, laziness about what matters most, it causes us to miss what's best. I mean, a slothful person, it's like they want a good relationship with God, but without the investment of the time or the energy. They want to be like Jesus, but they don't want to sit at Jesus's feet. They want to have communion with the Lord, but they never take time to sit at his table. I mean, it's not that sloth presents us from seeing what's best, from seeing that our spiritual life needs attention, right? Sloth just inhibits us from doing the hard work that it takes to grow. It causes us to miss what's best by distracting us with other things. I mean, here's an example from my job those weeks that i'm assigned to preach that i find myself on the preaching calendar at christ community i know that there's a sermon that has to be finished by sunday and just transparently some sermons are easier to write than others there's times when it's like man i need this i should dive into it and there's other times where life's happening or the text is hard to connect to and so those weeks i find myself answering a lot more emails tidying things up around the church, doing some other little projects that aren't necessarily the main thing, right? Because you could argue in my line of work, I mean, Sunday sermons matter. This is the one time that we're all here together exploring God's word together. But man, on those hard sermon weeks, I, you know, writing an email, I'm doing this task, I'm scheduling an extra coffee, I'm, I'm doing anything else but the hard work of hammering out a rough draft, Even though writing the sermon is the main thing that I need to be doing, it's the big thing, it's easier to do all the other small stuff, but what happens in those moments is that usually around maybe a Thursday, Friday, I realize, gosh, Sunday is just a few days away because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like Sundays come about once a week, every week, right? (laughs) And so it's like, man, this day's coming, and I don't want to stand up there unprepared and look like an idiot. So as the day approaches, I'm like, man, Tyler, it's time to get serious. The deadline is coming. I know I've put it off. I know I've delayed. I know I've waited, but today's the day. I've got to write this thing. I've got to figure this out. And the problem is that that kind of procrastination and delay, it can ultimately a deadline sometimes forces our hand and makes us do work when it happens in other areas of life. But the problem is that relationships don't always have deadlines. And while sunday comes once a week for me it's harder to have some of those milestone moments in areas that mattered most there aren't always deadlines in relationship there aren't big kind of events that force us to pull it all together they're more kind of organic relationships grow with small investments over time rather than a big investment right before a deadline so what can happen so often is that as we're engaging sloth and as we're distracted by all the other habits and the rhythms we we miss ever putting in the relational effort that's needed until it feels like it's too late and now things have really fallen off the tracks we realize we've really lost a connection with someone that matters most or with God himself and it's like holy cow how did I get to this point friends the fact is sloth over times especially in what matters most it distracts us and distracts us and distracts us until we find ourselves in crisis so what do we do to avoid that fate? Well, I think this text also suggests that we need to get diligent about our disciplines. We need to cultivate habits that allow us to care well regularly for what truly matters. I mean, for many of us, this might mean that we need to get into the habit of regularly reading our Bibles, or we need to get into the habit of praying every morning. And it's not because these habits earn us God's love. That's not it at all. Like we said last week, because of Christ's work on the cross, God's love for us is guaranteed. There's nothing we could do to make God love us less. Uh, We have all his love, all his affirmation, all his kindness. It's been earned for us by Christ. So the disciplines, these habits, they don't make God love us, but rather they give us regular opportunities to be reminded of his love. They give us regular opportunities to connect with God and hear Him affirm us in Scripture and articulate His love for us in Scripture and show us His kindness in Scripture. They give us regular places and environments and settings where we can reconnect with God and allow His truth to transform us afresh. I mean, that willingness to let our selves kind of skip a discipline, and I'm going to miss today, and I'm sleeping a little longer, and I'll, I'll read double Bible tomorrow, or whatever it is, that's what sloth looks like. And so to fight sloth, we need to consciously cultivate habits that allow us to care well for what truly matters, that allow us to connect with God and connect with those who matter most to us on a regular basis. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that will look like for you, but I know this, the way to fight sloth is through disciplined habits that prioritize what matters most. And so I just want to ask you again this morning, what actions in your life need to become more regular? Is there a new habit that you need to develop? What actions in your life need to become more regular? And what actions in your life do you need to repeat? Is it time in prayer? Is it time in God's word? Is it time with friends that will encourage you in your faith journey. Again, I don't know the answer to you, but these regular disciplined habits are what ultimately will form us out of sloth and into people that look more like Jesus, people that can value and prioritize what matters most. So this week, whether it's in your community groups or with a friend or maybe next door at the sundry after service, will you take time to talk with someone about the plan that you're hoping to institute to get some better rhythms and habits and disciplines in your life? Will you take action to set up habits that help you resist sloth? Because it's true, church, sloth dies first in our diligent rest. And it also dies when we adopt disciplined habits. That kind of work, it's absolutely vital. It's, and it's vital that sloth be killed It's worth rearranging our schedules and reevaluating our commitments and restructuring the way that we live to fight sloth because over time, sloth forms us into people who are too lazy to love. It forms us into people who are too lazy to love and this ultimately is what makes sloth so dangerous this is how sloth when it comes to dominate our lives and our thoughts is able to destroy families and workplaces and communities it's because sloth isn't just a matter of laziness it's a matter of love and sloth fully grown erodes our ability to love god and to love our neighbors and i think this becomes most clear in the parable that jesus tells right before he goes to mary and martha's house so again if you have your bibles open just scoot up a few verses we're going to be summarizing quickly jesus teaching from luke 10 verses 25 to 37 i'm just going to do a quick summary here so jesus is asked by a scholar of the law what do i have to do to have eternal life and jesus says well what does god say and the questioner says in return "Uh, love god and love your neighbor and in this way he gets it exactly right i mean that's a great summary of the christian faith right there but then this guy asks Jesus another question he says so who is my neighbor and Jesus in response tells a story he talks about a very familiar story two re- two men two religious leaders no he talks about um, a man who's walking on his way to Jericho and then suddenly he's beaten by robbers they take everything from him and leave him on the side of the street to die right and then two men come up on him. They're both kind of religious guys. And they see what's happened to this stranger. And they see him beaten there and robbed and left for dead. And they don't stop to care for him. But instead, they cross to the other side of the street and keep going. Right? This happens first with a Levite and then with another religious leader as well. But then a third man, a Samaritan armed with plenty of reasons to do exactly what these others did right to kind of engage sloth and find something else and oh, I'm not going to care about this person then a Samaritan comes and instead he chooses to aid the injured neighbor right the text says that he kind of picks him up and takes him out to a hotel and hands him a credit card and says do whatever it takes to make him well he goes out of his way to get this man back on his feet and Jesus concludes this whole story by saying you go and do likewise This is a story with a point, and Jesus' point, this kind of whole story of the Good Samaritan, it's you go and do likewise. Don't be like these folks that can't be bothered by someone in need. You go and be like the Samaritan who cares. And the problem with sloth ultimately is that it keeps us from loving like we should. I mean, sloth is what would make us walk across the street saying, their problems are not my problems. Sloth is too lazy to love, but we've been called by Jesus to love. And friends, when we choose sloth, it might feel like something that's innocent. It might feel like it's just a little break there or a little indulgence here or a little procrastination on the side. But what it's really doing is eroding our ability to love as Jesus loves. I mean, when we watch too much TV and get sucked into video games or waste hours on Facebook, when we show up late to work and turn in an average performance and don't contribute at all to making kind of a better work culture or caring well for our coworkers, when we fill our weekends with self-indulgent activities and never schedule kind of any sort of service for others or any kind of community engagement. When we do those things, when we're lazy about what matters most, it's a failure to love. And the problem is, church, your, your friends need you, your family needs you, your coworkers need you, our, our city needs you. This is Jesus's plan, kind of his church being out in the world demonstrating his love. That's his plan to share love with the world. But when we're lazy with what matters most, that that love deficit, it, it just remains there, sloth. It causes us to miss opportunities to love. Now, this got me thinking about a time when I was in college. I discovered the brilliant German board game Settlers of Catan. Have any of you played this? Uh, It was introduced to our house by my roommate, Wes, and soon we were all just hooked. I mean, we absolutely loved playing this. We'd play it late into the night. There were rivalries that developed. Carl, don't trade with Carl. Uh, Tensions flared. I mean, it was really the best thing you can imagine. And then one day we discovered that Catan had an online world. Uh, playcatan.com for those of you who are interested where you can play settlers anytime anywhere you are with people from all around the world and so no longer did we have to wait till all the roomies got home no longer did we have to wait and kind of get the board out clear the table set it up I mean, we could play settlers any time in church it wasn't long be- until i became kind of an addict i mean i logged on to play Catan as soon as i woke up in between classes, sometimes during class, don't tell anyone. Uh, I was played as soon as I got home, played late into the evening, you know, after I go to bed, you just open that laptop, you know, one more game. Uh, I, I was playing it all the time. But what happened is I started playing Catan while my roommates were sharing stories about their lives. And I was playing Catan when I was home for Thanksgiving, visiting my parents. I mean, wherever I was, I was Catanning. And one of my habits was to take a little screenshot of the game when it finished. So this is what the online world looks like. This is a game that I, so I'm location one. This is a game that I won, if you can see that. Uh, But I started taking all these screenshots of all the games I was playing. And one day I realized in this folder where I was screenshotting games, I had played 750 games of Catan online. And that was when it hit me that I was so hooked on Catan, I allowed myself to get so wrapped up in this online world that I was missing the real life that was happening around me. I was missing the engagement I used to have with my roommates. I was missing being present for those precious weekends when I was home with my parents. I was giving everyone around me only partial attention. And so I realized if I was going to be the kind of friend that I wanted to be and the kind of son that I wanted to be, I was gonna to have to cut back i'd have to say no to the lazy habit of online gaming and instead embrace what matters most the real people in life that god has placed around me and god himself and church i think that's the invitation that jesus is extending to all of us this morning in this text he's saying hey consider it maybe it's time to say no to sloth Note to all those other distractions and activities in your life and instead focus on the one main thing or those few things that matter most. I mean, some of us today, right now, need to hear Jesus' invitation to stop and rest. It's as if he's saying to you from the pages of Scripture, you are busy and anxious and distracted by many things. Hear my invitation, Jesus says, to cease the endless activity and to instead pursue what's most important. There might be others of us this morning in this space that need to hear jesus call to get serious to embrace some disciplines and some habits to actually give our spiritual life and our relational life a little more effort to change our regular rhythms that have gotten so invested in things that don't matter and instead to create space for what's most important so some of us need to hear the call to rest some of us need to hear the call to get serious but church i'd say that all of us i'm sure need to hear again jesus invitation to follow him in selfless service for the good of others right that kind of service that so regularly gets neglected when sloth has its grip on our hearts so this morning whatever you need to hear from god's word whether it's get resting or get busy or get loving again church i'm going to pray that the holy spirit now will impress that on your own hearts will you join me now in prayer as we ask god to help us take the best next steps in our life to fight the grip of sloth and to instead brace diligent rest work and love like jesus does let's pray lord and it's so easy for us to get distracted by things that don't matter And sloth, God, it's not just mere laziness. It's not being slow or tired. It's laziness with what matters most. And Jesus, when I hear that, gosh, I can see my own self in the mirror and know so often I got just, man, my heart is gripped by sloth. Lord, we need your help to break these old rhythms and patterns and ways of living that just distract us and distract us and distract us. Lord, will you? Give us kind of fresh eyes to see what matters most, to see what habits we need to cease, to see where we need to rest better and where we need to engage more. We want to become the kinds of people, Lord, that can rightly evaluate what matters and that places those things that count on the top of the to-do list and make space for them. Lord, help us to grow again in our relationship with you. Help us to grow again in our relationship with those people that you've placed in our lives. And Lord, give us the willpower and the courage to say no to those things that don't ultimately count. In your powerful name, we ask for this help this morning. Amen.